You are listening to The Bell Post. Welcome to the final episode of Season 2 of The Bell Post. And today we're going to talk litigation. We're going to talk about a lawsuit called Russell versus Harris County. And to kind of set that in the scheme of litigation that's been taking place on bail reform, criminal justice reform in the state of Texas, let me just kind of put this in context. So this litigation all started in Harris County with a lawsuit or called O'Donnell versus Harris County. In that case, the... Uh, Plaintiffs sued the misdemeanor judges, alleging that they were violating uh, due process and equal protection because they were not allowing uh, people to uh, to talk during arraignment hearings. They were not allowed to say, hey, you've got a bail schedule, but I can't afford that, and so I need a lower amount. And so they filed suit against the misdemeanor judges, the county, and the sheriff. The trial court, uh, Judge Lee Rosenthal, found that the judges in setting a bail schedule were not acting as state actors in setting bail, but instead were acting as county policymakers. And so the effect, what that meant was, uh, if there were state actors in setting bail, they're immune uh, from being sued in a 1983 case. If they are county policymakers, then they could be sued in a 1983 uh, lawsuit. So she denied their motion to dismiss. She found that they were co county policymakers and she uh, allowed them to be sued. She ultimately entered a, a preliminary injunction saying that what the county was doing was improper. And that matter went up to the Fifth Circuit. Um, ultimately, the um, Injunction she entered was reversed, but her findings on several procedural issues, including abstention, were affirmed. She denied a dismissal on abstention. She uh, also, uh, they also affirmed her ruling that the uh, misdemeanor judges were county policymakers when they adopted a bail schedule, and they allowed them to be sued. So that was the first uh, suit that brought the federal court into micromanaging ongoing criminal uh, lawsuits, criminal cases in the state of Texas. Uh, there, th that case, there's a whole bunch of things going on in that case. There was a second appeal. The judges kept winning, but then there was an election. All the judges that were opposing the litigation were defeated. The new judges promised to settle, so there was a settlement that was entered. All that is irrelevant to for today. So the, the first lawsuit was O'Donnell uh, versus Harris County. The important rulings were no dismissal as to abstention, which abstention is the doctrine that says, hey, uh, there are procedures in place at the state level that allow them to address this. So we're going to abstain from addressing this litigation until we allow the state to address it. And so it's really just a we don't go forward. We allow the state to handle it. And so I would, you would consider that the O'Donnell case was a success for the plaintiffs. They considered it a success because after O'Donnell or while O'Donnell was pending, they filed um, other cases as well. They filed the Daves versus Dallas County case in Dallas County where they sought to extend the ruling in the O'Donnell case because they filed suit against both the uh, misdemeanor judges and the felony judges and so they wanted to extend that ruling to both felony and misdemeanors whereas in the O'Donnell case it was only misdemeanors. They also filed suit in uh, Galveston in Booth versus Galveston County and then um, 
Sometime later, they filed suit in Harris County in Russell versus Harris County. In that case, they originally only sued the sheriff and uh, Harris County. The Russell case was filed in Jan- on January 21, 2019. At that time, the plaintiffs were feeling pretty full of themselves. Uh, Civil Rights Corps had filed all these different cases, and uh, they had uh, you know, gotten rulings in their favor. They considered on the O'Donnell case, even though the ultimate case was reversed. And by that time, by the time they'd sued in Russell, the trial court in the Daves case had issued a preliminary injunction, mirrored the preliminary injunction in the Daves case, denied uh, dismissal on abstention, and agreed to extend the ruling uh, that Judge Rosenthal made as to misdemeanor judges and agreed to extend it to the district court judges, to the felony judges. And so when this lawsuit in Russell was filed on January 21, 2019, they thought it was going to be a pretty successful case. They were going to be able to again extend the ruling from the misdemeanor judges to the felony judges. And um, right off the bat, you know, since they only sued the county and the, and the sheriff, who were allies of theirs, in my opinion, on the O'Donnell case, they agreed to stay it while they were trying to enter into negotiations to settle it. They were really negotiating with people who were in agreement with them politically. And so there was some uh, thought that they would uh, be able to enter into a settlement. They didn't have to sue the district court judges. They would just sue the um, the sheriff and the county, and they would all agree behind closed doors, and, and that would be it. They would extend the O'Donnell ruling to uh, the felony judges. But as you know, in March of 2020, we had the pandemic hit, and the plaintiffs were still kind of full of themselves, and so they started filing a motion to issue a preliminary or temporary restraint order, essentially to order the county to release uh, everybody from the jail, because we have a pandemic, and, you know, the plaintiffs know better than anyone else. The... um, uh, Attorney General on 329-2020 filed a motion to intervene, and it was granted the next day. But at the end of March, Lena Hidalgo, who's the county judge in charge of the commissioner's court, she informed the court that she was planning to order the release of certain pretrial felony arrestees. So really, she was kind of entering into an agreement with the plaintiffs. She was going to issue an order, in my opinion, and that was going to resolve their motion uh, for uh, a temporary restraining order. Uh, However, the Attorney General and the Governor responded forcefully uh, that that the trial court should not do that. The court heard arguments in April of 2020, and then before, I think on April 1st, 2020, uh, Lena Hidalgo issued her order for the release of certain jail detainees who were uh, charged with felonies. Uh, th- that same day, or, or several days later, on February the 3rd, 2020, uh, the district court judge Herb Ritchie, who was the uh, district court judge's administrative judge over the felony court, he issued an order saying that Judge Hidalgo's order was ultra vires. She was it was void and it was of no force and effect. And I think he ordered the sheriff to disregard it. So uh, Judge Rosenthal and Russell requested additional briefing, and then um, the court hold, held several hearings on the 
bell process, what the district court judges were doing. I mean, essentially micromanaging what the district court judges were doing in ongoing criminal cases, which is exactly what the federal courts, the courts of appeals say they don't want to happen. They do not want the federal courts micromanaging state criminal uh, uh, proceedings. Uh, but there was one hearing where, I mean, Judge Rosenthal is even offering uh, Judge Ritchie federal space if if they need additional room to uh, to help with uh, uh, having bail hearings. On uh, that was on 5/28/2020. Uh, the court informed the administrative judge Ricky that federal courtroom space was available for bail hearings if it would be helpful. So up until that time, so we're still in April of 2020, uh, the case had been stayed while the parties were going to get together and settle this thing behind closed doors, behind the judges' uh, backs. But something happened that on 4-9-2020, the sheriff uh, filed a statement saying, you know, with the judge saying, well, the judges aren't really getting on board with this, and so we have a couple of options. One of them may be they need to be added to part as parties to this litigation. And so in May of 2020, a motion to lift stay was filed by the plaintiffs. And on 6-26-2020, amended complaint was filed adding the felony judges to the lawsuit. And so uh, the felony judges wouldn't agree, wouldn't do what the plaintiffs wanted, and so they had their stay lifted, and they filed an amended complaint and added all the felony judges as parties to the litigation. Um, so the, then we go, we're going into the standard motions, motions to abstain, uh, under Younger, a motion to um, dismiss uh, because the district court judges were not uh, parties. They could not be sued for a 1983 case. Uh, and and Judge Rosenthal denied the motions to dismiss, denied a request for, for dismissal on uh, abstention. And that order was entered on 11-10-2020. That same day, the district court judges filed a notice of appeal to the Fifth Circuit because uh, these are all jurisdictional issues. These are things that are, allow for an immediate appeal, an interlocutory appeal, whatever you want to call it. We would probably call it an interlocutory appeal at the state level, but I think it's just an immediate appeal at the Fifth Circuit. And then things start going... The other things start happening at this point in time. So after the, uh, the judges filed their notice of appeal, like... A month and a half later, the Fifth Circuit issued its first opinion in the Dave's case. It was the panel opinion, and that's the first opinion where it said, we've been asked to extend uh, Judge Rosenthal's ruling in Dave's, I mean in, in O'Donnell, regarding the mi uh, misdemeanor judges to the felony judges. And they said, no, the f district court judges are state actors when they set bail. And then the court said, you know, if we had, if we were asked the question without knowing that O'Donnell had been affirmed, we would have probably come to a different conclusion on O'Donnell on the issue of the misdemeanor judges. But since we have O'Donnell, we're, we are compelled to follow it, and so we will follow that. Well, 
you know, that's a signal in, in the appellate world for the parties to file a motion for rehearing en banc to all the judges. That's the way you get a, a previous opinion by the court reversed. And, and that's what's happened. Well, within weeks after the panel opinion was released on January 15, 2021, there was a status conference in the Russell case. And there was a discussion about the efforts that were uh, being uh, sought and whether the efforts to try to reach an agreement to dismiss the felony district court judges from the case based upon the Dave's uh, panel opinion. On 1-20-2021, so five days later, there was a motion to dismiss the felony judges by the plaintiffs. And then on 1-27-2021, there was a motion by the judges asking Judge Rosenthal to vacate her order and memorandum opinion that denied their motion to dismiss. And she, on 2-8-2021, she vacated her previous ruling. And you would think, okay, well, that would be it for the Russell case. But, you know, I think if you look at the timeline, you can see that the judges were added to the case because they would not agree to what the plaintiffs wanted in their motion for temporary uh, injunction or temporary restraint order to have everybody released during the pandemic. And so since now they've been dismissed from the case, so they were brought in because they wouldn't cooperate, and they were dismissed because of the um, uh, the, the panel decision in Dave's versus Dallas County. Well, since uh, that didn't work, the plaintiffs were still pretty mad. And so they started sending really onerous discovery to the judges as non-parties. And so the judges filed a motion for protective order saying, wait a minute, you've just ruled we have sovereign immunity. You're not entitled to this from us. And so there was a bunch of discovery on whether the judge would order them to uh, respond to the discovery. And so on 4-5-2021, there was an order denying motion for protective order. Uh, there was, uh, and then on 5-14-2021, there was an order granting in part and denying in part a motion for protection by the judges. The judges immediately on 5-17-2021, three days later, filed a motion, a notice of appeal, and they filed a motion to stay. And so you can see that Judge Rosenthal is starting to get a little bit uncomfortable with what she's doing because on 6-25-2021, she granted the stay. She'd been asked to stay previous rulings, and I think she had always denied the motion to stay uh, no matter what it was until now. This is kind of the first ruling that she stayed uh, where she's been asked to in the O'Donnell case, now in the Russell case. But I would point out that in the last appeal of the O'Donnell case, she wouldn't grant a stay, so they went to the Fifth Circuit and asked for a stay from the Fifth Circuit, and the Fifth Circuit granted one, saying that uh, there was a high likelihood that the judges would win their appeal, and so they stayed Judge Rosenthal's uh, order, and then we had the election. So I think she was starting to feel some pressure at the uh, Fifth Circuit. And so she granted a stay, and they were not required to answer to the discovery. And we go for, forward. On 1-10-2022, there's a status conference, and that status conference was to address the implications of the first en banc decision in Dave's versus Dallas County. Now, the first en banc decision in Dave's versus Dallas County, they confirmed that the district court judges 
could not be sued in a 1983 case. They reconsidered their ruling in O'Donnell and Judge Rosenthal's ruling and said, we reverse that and we hold that they should not, they were not, uh, uh, they were state actors for purposes of setting bail and they should not be sued in a 1983 case as well. And so we can really see that things are, are turning south pretty quickly. On, and then the case is going forward on 11-3-2022. The Fifth Circuit issues an opinion in the appeal of the discovery fight. And they reverse Judge Rosenthal's ruling that the felony judges are not governed by sovereign immunity for purposes of submitting to discovery. And then on uh, 331 2023 there's a conference to discover the uh, to discuss the impact of the Fifth Circuit's second en banc opinion. And the second en banc opinion was very painful for Judge Rosenthal because number the, the two issues that were addressed there were the issue of mootness and the issue of uh, abstention. On the issue of abstention, I'm I've always been found it interesting that the trial court in the Dave's case didn't use a different analysis. Because if you think about it, once you were take the judges out of the case and you say, okay, they cannot be sued in a 1983 case, well then the parties who are doing the act that you are alleging is improper cannot be or cannot be parties. And so wh- why would you say that you can go around them and in effect sue them anyway by just suing the county and the sheriff. It seems like that once removed process would make abstention even more uh, important and more uh, appealing to apply. So the Fifth Circuit in their second en banc opinion said uh, abstention, younger abstention applies and both O'Donnell and Dave's should have never been filed in federal court. And they dismissed Dave's. And so now on 331-2023, we have a conference in the Russell case <coughs> to discuss the impact of the Fifth Circuit's second en banc opinion. And then as a result of that, the court asked for briefing on the issue of abstention and mootness. And so that's on March 31st, 2023, and not until 8-31-23 does uh, the judge, Judge Rosenthal, issue a memorandum and order on mootness and the, her final judgment centered. There's a motion to reconsider on the issue of mootness on 9-28-2023, and that uh, uh, by the plaintiffs, and that uh, motion was denied on 12-8-2023. In Judge Rosenthal's dismissal order, or memorandum opinion, whatever you want to call it, she argued strongly that the that her core ruling that she made in O'Donnell was upheld throughout all the different appeals, uh, which I kind of find that interesting. I mean, what is her core ruling? I mean, she ruled that there's no abstention. That was reversed. She's ruled that the judges can be parties. That's been reversed. Uh, the court ruled that the case should have never been filed in federal court, and she's here arguing that her core ruling has was upheld. Hmm. I I think the Fifth Circuit would take um, would discuss that would make, take opposition to that. Um, also in her final analysis she dismissed the case on mootness and she refused to dismiss the case on abstention 
Her argument, which I thought was very interesting, she argued that since the Fifth Circuit held that the case was moot, its entire analysis on abstention was an advisory opinion. An advisory opinion is not binding on a trial court because um, it's just advisory. Now, I think that's really tough to sell when the Fifth Circuit en banc, all 15, 16 judges come together and all but like three of them are saying that abstention applies and you should have never uh, considered this case at all. Uh, I think it's hard to say that uh, uh, that part of the opinion is solely uh, an advisory opinion, so you don't have to address that. And I, mm, I question whether she was showing a little anger at the court because she uh, made a spirited argument that the Supreme Court should grant uh, cert on the Daves versus Dallas County case, which it is currently pending on a petition for um, a, a certiorari. Um, and um, I mean, I just don't think that that's going to get these people what they want. So a petition for cert was filed at the U.S. Supreme Court in the Daves case, but only on the issue of abstention and mootness. Uh, I think there's no chance that the Supreme Court will take up or grant the petition on mootness, uh, especially since the en banc uh, court ridiculed the plaintiff's arguments on mootness and said that, you know, it, it was illogical. It didn't even make sense. And then you've got, so the, so the only issue that I think there's a strong chance or there's a chance that the court could grant Sirdon is on the issue of abstention. That's a procedural issue. And since Dave's, there's been another case, the, the little case from the uh, uh, Louisiana uh, courts. And that is was dismissed solely on the issue of abstention. So we've got two cases pending at the United States Supreme Court on the issue of whether the courts should never have addressed these issues, whether they should just dismiss these cases. And the briefing is completed in uh, Dave's and will be considered in just a few days on January the 5th at a, a conference to, uh, to determine whether they're going to grant cert. So maybe the Dave's case is going to come to a final conclusion if they deny cert. But if they grant cert, then we'll have, be having further discussions about what that means in the Dave's case. And I think that it could actually mean that one possible interpretation of them granting cert is not good for them. It's really bad. It's, it's an attempt by the Supreme Court to end this type of litigation nationwide. But we'll continue to follow that. Here's my final thoughts on, on the Russell case. I just think that we're only finding out now the untold damage that has been done to the criminal justice system in, across the nation because of the rulings that were made by Judge Rosenthal in the O'Donnell case. And I just want to point out all the different times she has now been reversed um, by the appellate courts. I mean, I mean, if you look through all these things, you can identify six, seven, Eight, when you add in the you know the appeal by the judges on the discovery issue and they, that's reversed as well and you, uh, a stay issued by the Fifth Circuit when she wouldn't grant it and it's starting to add up to seven eight maybe nine times that Judge Rosenthal was reversed for her rulings in the O'Donnell case 
In the meantime, the plaintiffs got very full of themselves. They started filing litigation across the uh, state of Texas and across the country. And they are still, at this point in time, I may be changing my mind, but uh, after uh, the Fifth Cir- I mean, the United States Supreme Court next week or this week. But as of right now, they're they're zero for however many appeals they've taken up or have been taken up against them. They've lost every one of them. I've seen some uh, video of you know, the person that's in charge of the Civil Rights Corps, and I was even participating in a debate with one of them recently, and, you know, they were belittling their opponents at one point in time before the Courts of Appeals started ruling on all this stuff. And in the um, the Calhoun versus Georgia case, uh, the, the guy behind Civil Rights Corps was, is on video just belittling uh, people who opposed what he's arguing and what he was seeking and even arguing uh belittling the bail industry for going out and spending money and filing an amicus brief the only problem is he was reversed so the decision that he um he was advocating um did not stand and even during the debate that i had with a, a representative civil rights court they were still arguing then that the Constitution, the federal constitution, the state's constitution required A, B, C. And I would point out, well, wait a minute. Sanchez versus Alabama reversed A. Uh, Days versus uh, Dallas County reversed B. C, you didn't even appeal Booth versus Galveston when it was dismissed. And so there's no case that supports what you're saying. In fact, the arguments that you're making in our debate and the arguments that you you make have all been reversed and yet here you are still making the same arguments without any recognition that your positions have been overturned and I kind of think that's where we are that explains what's going on we've got an activist law firm who's going out and raising money and here they are now uh, trying to show that they still should be given millions of dollars because they're raising a procedural issue with the U.S. Supreme Court, which could actually pull the rug out from under them and prevent them from filing this litigation again. Just imagine if they'd taken this millions and millions of dollars that they raised and actually used it to try to help people. How much better off we'd be instead of where we are. I hope you had a good 2023. I think I hope nothing but good for you in 2024. I hope we find ways to actually increase public safety. Uh, the arguments being made by Civil Rights Corps will not increase public safety. It's not even intended to. It's intended to get them more funds so that they can make more of these silly arguments that they keep losing. So thank you for listening to The Bell Post. Thank you for listening and come back for the next episode of The Bell Post.